Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. So I wanted to um, uh, come and talk to you today. My message today is called The Bit the bit In Between. And I think the, the message is actually a bit in between because it's like I'm going to be saying several things. Um, so I want, to serve, I want to serve up the message today a bit like a, um, a buffet, you know? Like, um, if you're battling with hunger and we've talked about sausages and, uh, you know, a buffet now, you know, it's, I'm sorry about that. But, um, you know, just to, to say that when you go to a buffet, you tend to, you don't, not everything necessarily is for you. You know, you, you, but, you, but everyone gets something. You know, and I want to believe because I believe that some of the things that I'm going to share in here today are going to actually be pr- prophetically relevant for you, for your family, and 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 just take that, take that, uh, 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 and and take it away with you, and and that's that is the purpose of taking notes. We're not trying to take get you to take notes uh, because I'm feeling insecure it, or. You know, at the end of the day, you can listen to the podcast, you can watch it, you can watch it on YouTube again if you want. So the purpose of taking notes isn't just to replicate the message in your notebook. If you want to do that, if that helps you concentrate, that's cool. No worries. But it's not just to do that. It's it's to to write there are gonna be certain things as I share that will be highlighted to you. The Spirit of God will highlight to you. You you some of you may hear something that nobody else hears. That's what the Spirit of God will do. I've, I can tell you numbers of times I've had people, you know, come up to me and said, you know, when you said this, uh, in the, you know, when you preach, and, and I didn't say it. I didn't say what they said I'd said. But the important thing is they heard it. Because the Spirit of God highlighted something to them. And, uh, and, you know, now I don't say, oh, no, I didn't say that because that might think, make them doubt. But the point, the point is the Spirit of God has said something to you and you can take that away. So that's good. It's good to write those things down because I don't know if God's speaking, I think it's something that we should be thinking about and meditating upon. Just a thought. So in Genesis 22, um, and don't, as I say, I'm going to be a little bit all over the place today, but great story here, very challenging story of where God tested Abraham um, and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Uh, And in fact, just to add in, was a promise that God had given him. It It was a miracle son. But he said, go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. And early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey and he took him with two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. You know, this God will sometimes set us out on a journey. And you're only going to see what you need to see when you 
do the first part of the journey. Abraham looked up and saw. So God had told him to go to a place, but then, he, then when there was another, there was another thing, he needed to see something to recognize that was the place. He said to his servants, "Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there." Watch this. He said, "We." He said, "We will worship, and then I will come back to you." Is that what he says? No, it says, "Then we will come back to you." See, Abraham already had faith. He didn't know what God was going to do, but he knew he was going to do something. And Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife and the two of them went on together. And Isaac spoke up and said to his father, I think not unreasonably, "Um, uh, Dad, yes, my son, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And when they reached the place, God had told him about Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up there in that thicket. He saw a ram caught by its horns and he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day, he said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. See, God said that he should go and take, Abraham should go and take his son, which, and, and Abraham, Abraham did what was asked of him. What I find interesting at the end there is that Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. In that place. I want, us to, I want us to just think for a moment about that place. What is in that place the Lord, the Lord will provide? I think that one of the things that I've sought to do over the last few weeks is, is help us to, to probably grasp and recalibrate a little bit in some of the things that we can do often here. And, and you know, I... One of the things that is, is common for Christians to say, you know, they, the Lord will provide. And I believe in a God who provides. I've, and there are many people in this room who believe in a God that provides, but God isn't Santa Claus. You know, God, God, God will provide, but it's not just that He drops stuff into our life. There, there are certain conditions, there are certain conditions that need to be met for us to see God move in our life in a powerful way. I, I think that the whole, the whole concept actually of the provision of God is, is, is in truth low-level Christianity. What I, mean by, what I mean by that is that God is a God who is greater than would just meet my daily needs. I think that God, God, God is 
someone who, who, who actually wants us to live beyond just having our daily needs met. But I do think that for many of us, as we learn to know and love the Lord, we learn to know and love a God who can meet our daily needs. And He will sometimes take us through seasons to, to, to prove our faith and to prove, not, not that He needs to prove Himself, but He wants to build, his, he wants to build faith in our lives. And so he will, cause us to, to, he will cause us to see his hand of provision in our life. You see, a blessed life is not a problem-free life. It's not a trouble-free life. It's not a challenge-free life. Some people, they come to Jesus because they believe that he is going to just uh, protect them and look after them and, and, and Jesus becomes someone who just looks after them on their journeys and protects them on their car journeys and, and protects them on their aeroplane and, 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 and he looks after them and he provides for them but Jesus is so much more than that He's not just some talisman that we wear or that we, we think that He's there to protect us from trouble protect us from harm I, we even those of us who love Jesus, even those of us who are passionate about God, know that trouble, know that trouble will visit us. And that God, God will see us. You know, as we were singing that song I, um, about the faithfulness of God this morning, tears came to my eyes because, you know, there are some songs that you can only sing when you've been on the road a little while and you've lived through some dark times and you've lived through some fires and God has, God has delivered you and, and, and you, as you've come out the other side and you say, yeah, it's true. Even in those challenging times, even in those difficult times, the goodness of God is chasing after me. The goodness, I didn't always feel like it. It didn't always seem like it, but I've learned as I've walked this journey of life that God is always with me. Even when He doesn't feel close, He is close. So a blessed life, a blessed life is not a problem-free life. But a blessed life is one that prospers in spite of the problems, in spite of the troubles. A blessed life does not have to have had the best of stars. A blessed life can emerge from the bitter roots of tragedy. A blessed life will bear fruit in drought and emerge victorious over doubt. And God has called us to live a blessed life, an overflow life, a pressed down, shaken together and running over life. God wants us to live from that place because He wants us to live from a place of generosity. He wants to give us abundance so that we will live from a place of generosity because when I'm generous, I'm like God. The Lord is my shepherd. We sung it this morning. My cup, my cup overflows. My cup overflows. But if, if, if my cup's going to overflow, I've got I've to get it under what is being poured out. I've got to get it under what is being poured out. That's the only way so that what is being poured out keeps pouring into my cup. And, I, and some of that is to do, is to do with positioning. 
So it's to do, it's to do with being in the right place at the right time so that I can catch the blessing of God that is being, that is being poured out. That's why it's important that with all the stuff that is floating around and, and you know, that it's all too easy to, to, to go to church. And, and, and maybe not quite as easy to be church. Because to be church requires you to be in a place to be family. We, 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 we live in a generation where you can go and get great sermons off YouTube or off Instagram or whatever. But, and we can, we can have a consumer approach to church where I can go to that church because I like the prayer meeting. I can go to that church because I like the worship. I can go to that church because I like the teaching. And, and, and I shop around and I get the little bits that I like thinking that I'm being fed. And yet, weirdly, the only way my cup is going to overflow is, is not just with information, but with the revelation that my life needs to be under. I need to be part of a body. Yes, even in this day and age, even in this day and age, part of the wonder and the miraculous aspect of being part of church is that I've got to be part of family. I've got to be part of something. You've got to be part of something. Because there's some things that are only released as we care for one another, look out for one another, love one another. That is, it's not just about me getting what I need because actually you're what I need. And I'm what you need. And, and yeah, even that person who gets on your nerves. I know you've got to look at me like you're all holy and you love everybody here with the love of the Lord and all that sort of thing. But in every gathering, there's going to be that, that person who works on your nerves. I'm, I'm going to go and talk to these people because they seem like they're a little bit more real. You know, you know that one where you go, hi, hi. Okay, good, good. And all the time you're engaged in that conversation, you're trying to back away. Boop, boop, boop. This vehicle is reversing. It's... But the truth is that sometimes we need those people. We don't get on with so well because they, they call something out of us that Jesus wants to call out of us. And your vehicle may be reversing, but then you find out you're on the same serving team. Or you join the same life group. And, oh God. And, and, and the thing is, even if you do manage to escape that particular person, there'll be someone just like them. They might not look exactly the same, but there'll be someone just like them waiting for you. Because Jesus is not going to let you get off that that easily. So I've got to get, I've got to, if I want my cup to overflow, I've got to get under the blessing, which means I've got to be part of something. But the cup overflowing is also about capacity. There was that old widow in, in, in the Bible who the prophet said to her, go and get lots of pots because why the oil kept flowing while ever there were pots to fill. In other words, while ever there was capacity, you, if you want to be filled by God, if you want to be filled by the Spirit, then, then you have to come with an expectation, an openness, a receptivity to receive what He wants to give you. While ever there was something to fill, the oil 
flowed. The oil flowed. The oil flowed because the prophet of God was bringing provision to that woman in that place. In that place, the Lord provided that that place is obedience. In that place. Abraham received the obedience, sorry, the, 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 the blessing and provision of God because of he'd been obedient. This, this, this widow received the blessing and provision of God because she had been obedient. There is, there is something released through obedience and that is, and that is God's blessing and provision. Because while I'm being obedient, I am aligned with God. I'm aligned with what he wants for my life. So it's not just a mantra that we say, oh, the Lord will provide. I know, I know the Lord will provide. Listen, God is very kind and very generous. And there are times when the Lord will provide even when my life is out of sync. Even when I'm not living as I should. God is, God is incredibly gracious. But I'm, what I'm talking about is something, something going beyond that, that when I'm living, when I'm living as I should, I can, when, I, when I'm living to the best of my ability through and by the Spirit, seeing God, seeing God move in my life, then I can be sure that He will provide and He will meet my needs. He will meet your needs. Abraham did what was asked of him. Are you are you doing what God is asking you to do? Because if you're doing what God is asking you to do, you can be sure that in that place, the Lord will provide. We've talked quite a bit this year about, year about uh, bringing our tithes and bringing our offerings. Why? Because it is through my obedience that I can anticipate the blessing of God. If you're new to church or you don't understand what I mean by that language, this is where we, we actually give a portion of our income to God because we believe that He's asked us to do that and He has promised to bless us far and above anything that we have given. Beyond, beyond the monetary value. But God loves us enough to present us with choices. God isn't going to make you do it. It says in Deuteronomy, he said, it said, I've set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. It's like I've set those options before you. Now you've got to choose because love, love sets people free. Love does not manipulate. Love gives people the freedom to choose. And that's not only God's love. My, the, the love of God in me allows people the freedom to choose. I feel that's, that's important. It's important just to emphasize real love sets people free to choose. If, if it is real love, they'll stay. If it is real love, they'll come back. If it is real love, but, but, but 
saying I love you and then manipulating people into doing what you think they should do. That is not love. Love allows freedom of choice. God allows us freedom of choice. See, as Abraham waited, and I, I believe that with every second, he, he knew that God was going to do something. He just didn't knew, know what God was going to do. So he was here. When, when, when we, when we um, hear Abraham, Abraham, when we hear God say Abraham, Abraham, it's not because uh, Abraham wasn't concentrating. That's for emphasis. It's, 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 if you like bold, it's, it's the Bible's way of putting it in bold and italics. It's like Abraham, Abraham, God is, God is saying it to emphasise, but, but Abraham would, he, he, God already had his attention because he knew that, that, that God was going to do something. We, we need to stay attentive to the voice of God. We need to learn the voice of God. We need to learn to trust the voice of God. The came there came a point where, where Abraham's eyes were opened. So yes, God showed, God showed him where to go. But again, his eyes were opened to the ram once he'd been obedient. Too many of us, we want to see God's provision before we've been obedient. Well, Lord, if I do, let, me, let me see what you're going to do and then I'll do it. Be, but but God, God said, no, you, do what I've asked you to do. Do what I've told you to do. Then, then you will see. Abraham couldn't see. I mean that. I, I, I don't believe that that ram just appeared. I believe it was there all the time. But until he'd been obedient, he couldn't see it. Some of you are praying for things that you will not be able to see until you've been obedient. Your eyes will be opened when you've done what God asked you to do. This is, this is the bit in between. This is surviving the bit in between. That God has asked you to go there. God has asked you to do that. God has asked you to get in the boat and go over to the other side. But now you find yourself in a storm. You are, you're in a place of the in-between. You have begun a journey, but you haven't got clarity about the destination. I want you to begin this journey. You can't see exactly where you are going, but you will know it when you get there. Oh, I, I, you, I, that's a word for somebody. You will know it when you get there. You've just got to, you've got to make the journey. You've got to, you've got to step out. Act first. Then obey you. Mary, Mary said to, uh, to, G, uh, to the um, servants at the wedding of Cana, she said, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. There was a process of obedience that preceded the provision of the wine. See, God could have, God could have made wine out of air if he wanted to. 
because he can do whatever he wants to do. But he used their obedience as a platform for them to receive the blessing. God is looking for your obedience. Your obedience will make a way. God, God, God knows that you're collecting water and you want wine. God knows that it doesn't make sense. But what will you do? Why well, it doesn't make sense. Why am I doing this? Why am I sweating in the middle of the day? Why am I wearing myself out doing this? And at the end of the day, we've just got pots filled with water and I didn't even want water, I wanted wine. But God is trying to get the wine to you, but He's using your obedience to do it. Do what He asks you to do. That's why, that's why, that's why Mary said, whatever He tells you to do, do it. Turn to someone and say, whatever He tells you to do, do it. That's how, that's how God will make the impossible possible. This, this, this is what makes the difference between seeing uh, Jehovah Yireh God. A God who provides and, and a Santa Claus God who, who just drops stuff into your life where you can do whatever you want. There, there is a way. If I'm doing what God is asking me to do, I can be confident that I will see the provision and blessing of God flowing into my life. I also believe that some of us frustrate ourselves because we are praying for things that God never talked to us about. So, it's trite, but I actually do believe it and proved it to be true in my life. That you will see, you will see provision when God is pro the vision. You will see provision when God is pro the vision. The key is, what has He asked you to do? If you will do it. Now, our problem is sometimes that we have asked for wine and we don't get the collecting water connection. So we are. Lord, just give me wine. God, give me wine. But, but I told you to fetch water. Yes, I know, but I asked for wine. This is, not, um, this is not the time to collect water. I need wine. And God's saying, no, I, I need your obedience. Stop, stop trying to work it out. Stop trying to work me out. My ways are are past finding out. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now get this. You can spend the rest of your life wearing yourself out and frustrating yourself silly with questions as to why this didn't happen, why that didn't work out, why has this happened to me? But God doesn't always answer those questions. At some point, if you have not experienced what you thought you were going to experience, you have got to stop and say, God, I do not get it. I'm not expecting you to understand. I'm just expecting you to trust because that's what he's asked us to do. 
There are so many things in my life I don't get. There's so many things in my life I don't understand. I don't know why I had to go through that. I don't know why they did that to me. I don't know why they said that. I don't know how this happened. I don't know why that didn't happen. And I prayed and I believed and I prayed and I believed and I prayed and I believed and it still didn't happen. But am I going to spend the rest of my life Say, why didn't that happen? Why didn't that happen? Why didn't that happen? Why didn't that happen? Am I going to let that define the rest of my life? Or am I going to lift my head and say, you know what? I don't get it. But I trust you, Lord. You've got me. You've got me. You are my shepherd. You do love me. All things are working together for good. Because I love you. Because I'm called according to your purpose. And, and what, what I'm getting may not have been my first choice. But it's your choice. And therefore I am blessed. I am more blessed with your choice than I am with the, with the choice I would have made. Got to yield to that. Got to give to that. That is, that is me putting my cup under. That's not me pulling it away and saying, well, I don't get it. I don't understand. It's like, it's not about backing off and withdrawing. It's like, Lord, Lord, I, 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 don't, I don't get it. But I submit, I come under you. I, give, I, put, I put my cup under you, under your blessing. And I believe that the blessing will continue to flow and that my cup, my cup will overflow. God, God will give you the provision if he is pro the vision because he is, he is not a man that he should lie. And sometimes I have to accept the fact that my interpretation of what was going to happen has been wrong. I tried to work it out. I said, God said this and I said, oh, I get it. So that means, no. No, it didn't mean that. But no, no, but. So what I've ended up doing is I've got carried away with what I've interpreted to me, interpreted it to mean, but actually what God said was quite different. If God, if God asks you to start something, it's because He's finished it already. He is the Alpha and the Omega. If God, God doesn't ask you to start something because He's wondering about the end, sometimes... We don't know where we're going. Sometimes we don't know what He's going to show us. But if God has asked us to start something, it's because He knows the destination. And too many of us are so enamoured with the destination. We've got, okay, God told me to get there. 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 Because we're saying, it's destination, it's destination. God told me to get there. But the truth of the matter is, when God told me to get there, this, the journey to there, is just as important as getting there. We're in a rush to get somewhere because we are saying the destination is the place. But God always had the journey in mind. He knew that this is just as important. And the things that I learn along the way are the things that He's going to show me 
and prepare me so that when I get here, I'm ready for what comes. Because he's used the journey to prepare me. He's used the journey to develop me, to help me. That's the bit in between. The bit in between the starting point and the destination, the place of preparation where he molds you and he shapes you and, 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 and you have to wait and you have to pray and, and you get frustrated and you don't understand and, and you seem to take two steps forward and five steps back and ah, ah, and you get to the end of yourself. God uses all that because at the end of that, I can say, God, I trust you. You got me there. The path does not always run smooth. Even if it's God's vision. Let me say that again. The path does not always run smooth. Even if it is God's vision. I don't, I, I can't buy into the, I can't buy into the phrase, Everything worked out, so it must be God. What I mean is that there was no hindrances. I, I see over and over again that when, when God does something in people's lives, there are hindrances along the way. Not meant to stumblers, but I'm not, but I'm meant to developers. We will always have to survive the bit in between. In the bit between what he's asked us to do and where we're going. There's some, there's some verses in Nehemiah that I was thinking about where in Nehemiah 4 verse 10, he speaks about meanwhile, Nehemiah was a man who'd heard God and God had given him a vision to rebuild um, a, a, a city. And, and, and the truth is that not only had God given him a vision, but he'd supernaturally provided for him. And we, we meet him in Nehemiah 4 at a bit that he hadn't imagined doing the prophetic bit. It says, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is given out and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. See, they're the bits, that's the, that's the bit in between. That's the, that's the journey. God told me to rebuild a wall I've, had a, I've got a vision to rebuild the wall, but no, no one ever mentioned rubble. No one meant, never mentioned all this stuff. There's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also thrown into the mix. Our enemies said before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we will kill them. And we'll put an end to their work. Then the Jews who lived near them. Hey, these were their own people. Then the Jews who, who lived near them came and told us 10 times over. Not just once, not twice, but 10 times over. Whenever you turn, they will attack us. What is this? This is, this is stuff now. I'm just trying to do the work of the Lord. I'm just trying to do what God asked me to do. I'm just trying to build what He asked me to build. But, but now there's all this stuff getting in His head. There's all this stuff trying to get in your head. 
trying to rob you of the faith, trying to rob you of the joy, trying to rob you of, of, of the words that God has spoken to you. But Nehemiah did not give up. He says, therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears and bows. Let me just back up a minute. Their strength was given out because they were overwhelmed by the rubble. They hadn't anticipated the rubble, all the obstacles. They began to lose heart because there was so much stuff. When you worry about the rubble, when you worry about all the stuff and all the things that are in the way and all the problems and all the issues and all that, when you allow that to take your attention, you will be robbed of all the energy and the joy that God intended because God has not, God did not write the rubble out of the equation. If He's asked me to go from here to there, He knew all about the rubble. Take your eyes off the rubble. Take your eyes off the issues and put it on God. You see, you, you want to pray your prayer. You want to say, oh God, you told me to build this wall. Take the rubble, take the rubble. Please take the rubble away. Take the rubble away. And God is going to take the rubble away, but He's going to use you to do it. He's going to use you. He's going to use your hands. He's going to use your sweat. He's going to use your toil. He's going to use your labour. He's going to use you to clear away. And, and you can pray all you want, but when you've done praying, you're still going to have to roll up your sleeves and do something about the situation that you are in. But God does not leave you alone. He gives you both the strategy and the strength to do what He's asked you to do. I think to fully understand this moment, you've even actually got to back up a little bit more because at the beginning of that chapter, he talks about when, when Sam Ballot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was so greatly incensed he ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Watch this. Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? See, Nehemiah was a, about a great project but he'd encountered some stuff along the way. Maybe, maybe you, 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 God has got hold of your life. You've come to Jesus. You're excited. You're loving coming to church. You're singing the songs, but there's some rubble. You didn't even realize it was rubble. And, but I want, I want you to understand something today that God isn't just a God who rebuilds walls. He rebuilds lives. And He's gonna rebuild your life. But there's some, there's some rubble that needs to be cleared out of the way. Don't worry, it is in the plan. What I love is that we see here that God doesn't just remove the rubble, He builds with the rubble. Those, 
those stones, even those stones that have been burned, even those stones that have been broken down, discarded, tossed aside, God wants to build with those. I don't know, you can call me crazy, but I just, I just see, I just see that this is a beautiful picture of the church. That that which has been broken down and tossed aside and discarded, even that which has been burned, God uses those stones to rebuild. He rebuilds the, He rebuilds the stones if you like, and He uses the stones to rebuild. Even the stones that have been burned by fire bringing burned stones back to life. Let me tell you all around this room, this morning, all around this room, everyone watching on podcast, there are burned stones that have been brought back to life. The, the guy preaching to you this morning is a burned stone that has been brought back to life. If it was not for my Jesus, I do not know where I would be. If it was not for my Lord, I would be lost. I would be far away. This is a burned stone. I'm not a nicely shaped stone. I'm a broken stone, a burned stone, a messed up stone that God is using. And some of us are in the place of the in-between. Maybe right now you're still, you're still in dealing with the rubble. You, you, look, you look more like part of the problem than the answer. You look like life is still more rubble than, than part of the wall. But that's just the bit in between. Stones burned and broken, built into something strong. The church of Jesus Christ healed, made whole, scarred, but defiant because the devil tried to kill us. There was an enemy there's an enemy who tried to get into their heads and say, it's not going to work. Whatever you're trying to build, whatever He's spoken to you about, maybe, maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, ah, I don't know. It all sounds good, but it's not going to work for me. It's going to work for everybody else. It's not going to work for me. I, 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 believe, I believe I've got a word for somebody. There's someone here today who's thinking about throwing in the towel. And I feel the Spirit of God is saying, don't, don't throw in the towel, take the way of the towel. The answer to your situation is to serve. The answer to your situation is, you thought the answer was to throw in the towel and leave. Jesus took the towel, He wrapped it around Him and He served. The answer to your problem is not to leave and throw in the towel. The answer to your problem is to take the way of the towel and to serve and God will use serving to heal your heart and heal your situation. But can you bear the bit in between? Time's gone from me, but I want to, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you today to keep going, to keep going. You know, one of the things I love, one of the things I love, and I, I've, I can't labour this point, but let me just throw it out there for you to think about because one of the things that I love about this story is that, that Nehemiah positioned families. He positioned families. And I believe, I believe that in order to stand against an enemy, he's trying to get in our heads and rob us of our confidence of the dream that God has put in our heart. 
We, we need to have some families who are prepared to stand up. There's a fight. There's a fight. There's a fight. There's a fight. God's trying to awaken something in us to let us know that we could never have done it on our own anyway. And some of us, we've got down and, and our strength has been going because we've been working hard and we've been trying hard and we've been trying to do what God has asked us to do. And the worker's strength was given out and the enemy was loud in their head. Even people they know and loved were saying, ah, give it up, bro. Give it up. Don't worry about it. You've tried, hey. You've tried. And I've come, I believe this morning to say, hey, there's a war on. There's a war on. There's a war on for your life. There's a war on for your marriage, for your children. This is not the time to back off and back down and give up. God wants you to stand up and, and take, take a place in the exposed place. Pick up the sword of the Spirit and say, Devil, you are a liar. I'm going nowhere. My God is my strength. My God is my healer. My God is my provider. My God will make a way. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will not give up. I will not give in. If God is for me, who can be against me? My God, rise up. Rise up, man of God. Rise up, woman of God. Rise up, family of God. In Jesus' name. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.